Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, and woo, we got an episode for you today, so I'm telling y'all right now, get your notepads, your little pens, get your notes app ready, make sure you're in a place <laughs> where when we hit you with this information, you can sit down and you can absorb it, because we might come for you today. Not because we don't like you, but because we love you, and you need to hear about this today. But before we get into today's topic, you know, we got to do our check-in, so... You know, Sasha, how you doing today? How you feeling? <laughs> that was uh, a great introduction, by the way. I loved it. I didn't even think about this. Um, I I don't know. I feel... I, there we go. I know how I've been feeling. I've been feeling really protective of myself lately. Like, I have been noticing that I kind of just want to be away from people a little more. I don't necessarily, not because I don't love people, but maybe I'm not ready to hear people's opinions on what's going on with my personal life. I, I have been noticing that I've been very careful of who I tell my business to, not because I want to pick and choose who, I, who I'm close with in regards to like my friend groups. It's more so that I've been noticing that I'm not fully grounded within myself. So like I kind of been taking more of a backseat in regards to reaching out to friends and, you know, just kind of being this social person. Like I, I, I'm very happy to just kind of be in my apartment alone and go out for a walk alone and just kind of be alone right now, which is I don't think is a bad thing because I know it's going to change. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say as you were speaking, I was like, I hope you're not taking it in a negative way because I think like we do have those moments in our lives where you kind of have to do that. Like you have to protect yourself and be, I think like that's also understanding where you are and what's going on within you and enforcing what you need to take care of yourself. I will say today, I feel really, really good. This has been a rough week, but I think ultimately I do feel good. I was feeling a little under the weather yesterday and I like had a lot of fluids. I got 10 hours of sleep. So I think my body's like, all right, girl, thanks for taking care of me. Like we got you. Like, so I feel much better now. Like I'm in good spirits. So yeah, like it's a sunny day out after this. I'm definitely going to go outside. So I'm feeling really good. You know, it's funny unintentionally. And I think that we always do this or maybe because we, we prepare for it in, in advance, but we are talking about exactly what we're going to be discussing today, which is boundaries boundaries with yourself, boundaries with other people. We're going to go through the ins and the outs. So I hope that you listen to Crystal and got your pens and notepads ready. So for me, boundaries is a term that's thrown around a lot. And I feel like that in our current world, we are taught how to not have boundaries, especially as women. I think socially, like for example, women are taught to give and men are taught how to take. These are things that you see in the media and I'll get more into it later, but I don't necessarily think that this was something that was taught to us. Crystal and I both feel that it's super necessary in order to maneuver yourself in this world. Boundaries separate you uh, from others physically and emotionally. 
They help you figure out your needs and how you should approach managing your life for yourself and not for others. The limits you set for yourself will in turn help people to figure out how they should treat you. It's kind of like setting up the rules for yourself, right? So imagine you own a clothing shop. You've invested time and money into opening your store up and you're figuring out the purpose of why you wanted to open it up. You're taking time to understand how much money you need and how much energy you're going to place into opening it up. And you need boundaries because without them, guess what? People are going to walk into your store and feel that they are allowed to take things for free. So if you think about it this way, boundaries is more or less a question of how much are you willing to allow others in to take without earning and vice versa. On the flip side, if you have too many guards up, too many boundaries, then will anyone ever notice that your shop is open? Will you ever let anybody in? Are you going to push people away from coming in? Your goal is to find a two-way process that works for you and for others so that both parties benefit. Finding that unique balance for you and how it works is super, super important. So I definitely, in preparation for this episode, remembered a great book that I read um, actually maybe like a couple of years ago, and it's called, it's a New York Times bestselling book, and it's called Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No to Take Control of Your Life by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And I will you know, just give a warning. It is a bit of a religious or faith-based book, and it does reference God and the Bible. However, the information is still very good and valuable, even if that's not what you ascribe to. Uh, the book is thorough, and it explains what boundaries are, how to set them, what gets in the way of setting them, what are the value of boundaries, and how to set them in your life with parents, siblings, partners, work, etc. So now all of the information from today will be from that book. So I, I want to be clear that not everything is from there, but we are going to be referencing some of the work that they do. So I wanted to put it out there. As we get started, you know, like we're talking about boundaries. Sasha did a great job of letting us know what happens when you don't find a good balance between having boundaries, when you maybe have no boundaries or have too many. But a lot of the reason why people with poor boundaries or no boundaries struggle to say no or to take control to like the pressure and demands of others is because they fear what happens if they say no, right? Especially if you're someone who is on the side of having no boundaries. So if you don't have boundaries, you sometimes fear losing someone's love or approval of you. Mm. You fear being lonely or abandoned. You fear losing people's positive perception of you, right? Like they might be like, yo, like Sasha's the coolest and now you set boundary. Oh, she's a bitch. Like, you know, uh, you, fear, you fear that. Uh, you fear... <laughs> Sasha's like, but why did you come for my neck? I told y'all. Yeah, she... <laughs> and then me and my internal boundaries, I'm like, yo, does Crystal really think I'm a bitch? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but uh, fear of feeling guilty for putting your needs first, which I know is something that you've uh, struggled with. Sasha that you yeah I, mean, I maybe I shouldn't be outing you but I guess we're we're here already so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right I'll come for you later <laughs> okay <laughs> um so fear of someone's anger or negative consequences or just payback like you don't know what this person is gonna do so I think that when we think about boundaries we do need to also assess when boundaries need to be formed and really they start in childhood and you continue to develop them in the subsequent stages of adulthood as you grow up boundaries start in very early development i'm and i'm talking about infancy toddlerhood 
when you're developing your early attachments. Attachments are the bonds that you form with your caregivers, which makes you feel secure and safe in the world. If you do not have a secure attachment, when conflict arises, you believe that you have one of two options. You form and set limits, which puts you at risk of losing that relationship, which if you don't feel secure in the world, any little attachment that you have or any little relationship that you have with someone, you don't like you don't want to lose that relationship, right? So it seems very risky to set those limits or you don't set limits and then you save that relationship. Then you comply with the needs of others and you deny yourself your needs. As you grow older, there are other critical times when you need to learn boundaries, and that's adolescence and early adulthood. And that's usually during the time as you're developing your identity and who you are as a person in relationship to other people. So you need to learn to set boundaries so that you can assess what is acceptable and what is not. This is a stage where you get to like form a greater independence. So you need to set boundaries around your time, your responsibilities, what's important to you. So these are like really critical stages to begin developing healthy boundaries because if you don't set them now it's just gonna create problems in the future as you grow up so as you're going down this list I'm like I definitely do not have healthy boundaries um just want to put it out there I'm in my 30s and I am still practicing this so for whoever is listening and needed to hear that because they're internalizing this and thinking damn I may not have healthy boundaries don't worry you are not alone because I'm still practicing I want to lie and say that I do just to <laughs> feed my ego and self-esteem but you know this is a podcast where we say we were gonna be honest and yeah I'm I'm definitely practicing this still um, <laughs> but in my defense there are two different types of boundary categories so there's functional boundaries which refers to a person's ability to complete a task project or job so it has to do with performance discipline initiative and planning right and then there's relational boundaries which refers to the ability to speak truth to others with whom you are in a relationship with so why did I say that this was in my defense? I have very good functional boundaries. <laughs> I could perform tasks on time. I do them well. And I have a high level of functioning in the world when it comes to concrete things like at work, etc. However, I cannot tell a friend that, you know, like their chronic lateness or their lack of support is an issue, right? So when it comes to the relational piece, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Um, and then you can also say vice versa, right? So someone can have great relational boundaries. So they're good at telling their friends, their loved ones, what they need and don't need, but then are not very good at arriving to work on time, finishing their tasks, saying what they said that they were going to do by a certain date, right? You know, I think I have more issues with functional because I'm just kind of like, if you know me, like, you know that I'm up in the clouds sometimes, but I have very, apparently I've been told I have very good boundaries with relationships. I, I'm still, I think I'm still working on it, but I have been told by others. So I must, I must be doing something right. But I, it's funny because when, as you're talking about the different categories of boundaries, I keep thinking about this idea of internal versus external boundaries. So like, External boundaries has a lot to do with defining like where you end and someone else begins and vice versa. It, like it has a lot to do with physical space. I think that those things are more tangible in regards to how you control your time and how much energy you're putting into certain things. But internal boundaries is something that I kind of want to highlight because these are boundaries with yourself, right? So I can tell Crystal, hey, I didn't like that you did that. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be chilling, right? Because if I have lack of internal boundaries with my own self, I'm going to be ruminating over, oh, did Crystal didn't like that? Did I, are we going to not be friends anymore? Because I'm not allowing myself to stand firm in what I need. So that's, that's specifically what internal boundaries are. They are the clarity that you are your own person. And even saying that, I'm like, oof, that is hard. Um, <laughs> this helps you set a limit on how someone is affecting you. It helps you have the capacity, even when you're able to create physical and emotional space, to create that space within your own mind, right? Something that I think really highlights this point is that saying that people have told me time and time again of stop letting people live rent free in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Because you may be physically away from somebody. You may know somebody that you know is no good for you and you are not engaging. But if that keeps coming up in your mind, then you keep having feelings about it. Then guess what? They're living rent free. And internal boundaries is something that have to be set for your own self. So you're not in that process because it's it's taxing on somebody. So the boundary I'm going to set is I'm blocking you for coming for me on the podcast. Airing my <laughs> Oh, I didn't say it was going to be this episode. It could be the next one or the one after that. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so for me, it's. I think that when we talk about these things, it can be really overwhelming. So I always like to give a quick breakdown of like, how can you start validating, giving yourself boundaries? Like, where do you even begin? And of course, in true Sasha fashion, I'm always going to bring it back to you and who you are, right? So it, it starts with doing the work and beginning to actually understand who you are as a, a person. Start to recognize why you may need more internal boundaries because Maybe you're fine not having certain boundaries and that's how you function because guess what? Everybody's different. Something that I love giving people as a, as a therapist is permission. I think that this gives people the access and the, per, and the ability to actually go ahead and start doing something that is good for them because, you know, we were never taught these things. So it may feel a little awkward. So once you get permission to actually have internal boundaries, which is what I'm doing right now, I'm giving everybody permission because that is mm -hmm. our human right. I think that that's when the real work really starts. Right. So if you unfortunately didn't get permission to set those boundaries and you might be one of these types of people who have issues with boundaries, I will say this is part of what I got from the book. And I was very upset reading this because I was like, these are men of God and they chose violence. <laughs> they chose violence against me and all other people who have issues with boundaries. But um, <laughs> I'm like, y'all can't be men of God and choose violence. You got to pick one. Um, <laughs> but the first type of person who has issues with setting boundaries are compliant people. And those are people who do not have set boundaries. They meet the needs of others and ignore their own. They minimize their desires, likes, and needs to fit into the group. They don't like to rock the boat, so they just go along with what other people want and need because they fear that they will be abandoned. And this, like we mentioned a little earlier in the episode, has to do with attachment and belonging, right? It's an issue with not feeling like you'll have a community to, to be in. You, it could also be part of like fear of hurting others people's feelings, fear of punishment, shame, feeling selfish, a lot of what we talked about a little bit earlier. 
So the next type of person is an avoidant person. So those are people who are unable to ask for help or to recognize their own needs and to let others in. So they withdraw when they are in need. Um, And why does a person like this have issues with boundaries? Because you're thinking like, well, they're not really asking anything. Is They confuse boundaries as walls. So they build these unbreakable brick walls that no one can penetrate. But boundaries need to be more like a gate. They need to be breathable. Gates have doors that can be opened, right? So, like, you should definitely set that that boundary um, or build that gate, but that gate can't be impenetrable. Avoidant people are untouchable. They do not let anyone in, and they do not let themselves out, um, right? Because, like, if you mm. build an impenetrable brick wall, like, people might not be able to get in, but you can't get out either. So they don't allow any of the bad to get in, but they also don't allow good either. Um, and avoidance experience their problems and their li- like their very legitimate wants and needs as something bad, destructive, or shameful, um, which is why it gets in the way of them letting people in. For the bonus, um, <laughs> for the bonus in this in this first after we've reviewed these first two types of people, you can be compliant and avoidant at the same time. Right. So you can be someone who gives a lot of the self, but never asked anything of anyone else. These folks um, in the book, they were referred to as suffering from reverse boundaries because they have zero boundaries where they need them and too many where they don't belong. So compliant avoidance often feel drained and resentful because they give so much energy, but do not have anything to replenish the energy that they're giving because they're not letting anyone in. And this is where I was trying to Google their addresses because I was like, we (laughs) we need to talk talk." because you didn't have to put me in the book like this. Y'all could have sent me a letter. No. Let me Mm -mm. an email, Mm -mm. a notice, something. (laughs) I'm going to defend you and just let you know that is not who you are, actually, because I know people who are 100% compliant and avoidant. And the first thing that comes up is like, for me, is that feeling of like, yo, I, f- I feel for them because that is torture. That is physical torture. That is emotional torture and mental torture. Like you just are kind of confined within the realms of this space that you created and like not letting anyone in. And that just sounds so horrible to me because I'm such a social creature, even though I'm I'm taking a back seat a little bit from, you know, my social uh, circle. But those are my boundaries. That's what I need right now. But I'm definitely going to jump back in, I promise. Um, <laughs> but you are not like that. You are not like that. Trust me when I say you are not like that. I think that you're being a little tough on yourself. Like, especially that you have the awareness that you want to let other people in. Because I think that when you have this compliant and avoidant at the same time, there's not necessarily uh, a strong awareness of, oh, something has to give, something has to change. Right. Well, that's thanks to my therapist. (laughs) I think that I've noticed a shift in myself for sure. I think that now I'm in a place where I do receive and I'm, I'm starting to set those boundaries with my time. But I think like even back early to our relationship, like way before the podcast, yeah. Why are you making that face? Because you know I'm right. Whereas our relationship was very compliant, avoidant, and and not. And I will say, like, it wasn't because you asked a lot of me because you didn't, but because you're good at setting relational boundaries. I was like, oh, I can't ask you anything. So I would give, right? Because I was like, I want you to be my friend, but you're so good at relational boundaries. So I was like, oh, I'm not gonna ask 
right? Like I'm not going to push your boundaries. And I think that it created a dynamic until the point where, you know, like we had, we had a situation where it was like, okay, like, (laughs) not physically not physically because Sasha would have whooped my ass I'd still be in ICU right now um (laughs) but um but we yeah we had a situation where we had an argument and it the the issue was that like my dynamic in the relationship and it had to be broken down in order for us to move past that situation so I I think like I agree with you and I will accept the credit where I guess I deserve it because I do think that I'm making those changes, but I think it took, you know, like really looking at that, at that situation where I was like, Oh shit, that was the dynamic that I was creating. But I will say this, it wasn't all you, but I think that that's why it's important to explore these things within your own self and the people that you interact with, because I, from the beginning, if you think it, if you think about it, I've been knocking at your door. That's how we even became friends. So like, I was just like, let me in, let me in. And finally I got in. Um, <laughs> so that sounds really bad. Yeah. She found a loose brick and she was like peeking through with a little eye. Like, hey, yeah, how you doing? <laughs> no, I, so, I was like, so I so badly wanted to be Crystal's friend. Like, and I really, I, yo, I put in work going back to why it's important to understand these things. I understood who you were without you having to tell me. So I didn't think that you were trying to dub me. I just felt that, oh, okay, she has strict boundaries. Okay, cool. Like, I'll just wait. No problem until I can get in. And that sounds so creepy, but I am glad that I waited, whether it was creepy or not. Just saying. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate you. So the next type of person is a controlling person. So controlling people, they do not respect other people's boundaries and they have issues with uh, control. Hello. Uh, They hear the (laughs) word no and they hear that as an opportunity to change people's minds. Um, So these people can be perceived as bullies, manipulators or just aggressive people overall. Um, And within the controller, there's two types of controlling people, right? So there's aggressive controllers where they don't listen to other people's boundaries. You know, the metaphor that they use is that they like in the book is that they run over other people's fences like a tank. They're like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Like, boom, like I'm just going to go through. They can sometimes be verbally and physically abusive. They attempt to get others to change in order to make the world fit their idea of how they should be. So they make other people's change so that they can feel comfortable. Um, And they neglect their responsibilities to others because we all have a responsibility to each other to basic respect, you know, physical safety, things like that, right? So then the second type is a manipulative controller. And they're a bit more subtle with their approach. So they persuade people out of their boundaries. They talk other people into saying yes. They indirectly manipulate circumstances to get their way. They seduce others into carrying their burdens and use guilt messages to do so. So they deny their desire to control. So they don't like to admit that they're a controller, right? Like if you confronted them on it, not even necessarily using this language, but on their behavior or their patterns, um, they will deny it. And they have a hard time being confronted or taking responsibility with their behavior. And I have someone in my life who's a 
manipulative controller. So I text a friend and I was like, yo, oh my God. Like, first of all, this book is choosing violence against me. So I just need to put it out there to affirm <laughs> myself. And then like, read this, like read this from the book. And a thing that my friend, and you know who you are, they said that manipulative controllers, sometimes even when they're confronted about their behavior, they'll gaslight you. Mm. until they're ready to take responsibility or use gaslighting as another form of manipulation. So I was like, girl, I was like, can I use this for the episode? Because damn, <laughs> um, but it's true. So you have to be very careful with this this behavior. It To me, it sounds like you're just talking about the boundaries that narcissists have. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like to me. Um, they just bulldoze their way through people and, and they are avoidant and they are controlling. And it's super unhealthy. Just want to put that out there. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so for the double bonus, because, you know, we already gave you a bonus, <laughs> but this is a double bonus. Compliance and avoidance, like the first two categories, can also be controllers. So they tend to be more manipulative than aggressive controllers, though. So when a compliant avoidant needs emotional support, they may ask for it indirectly by doing a favor for a friend in the hopes that the friend will be loving and support them in return. The problem with that is that these compliant avoidant people who are controllers they expect other people to re- read their minds when most people don't read your minds. And then they end up feeling disappointed because they're waiting on the other person to return the favor that they gave. You know, like they don't get that. This just kind of speaks to like, you have to be clear about what you want you can't just be passive aggressive exactly because what that style with the double bonus style of compliant and avoidant who are controlling brings up is this loop that you are in where you are convinced that your way is the best way to be in regards to having high boundaries and not reaching out to people and not trying a different way because look you're going to be disappointed anyway yep And then the last type is the non-responsive. So they lack attention to their responsibilities to others, which I mentioned briefly. So, you know, like their responsibilities to those who they're close to or they're bonded to. Um, And the example that was provided in the book is that of a husband who is being told by his wife that the responsibilities with the kids are becoming too much for her and that she feels overwhelmed. So he tells her to stop complaining, like life is tough. The argument made in the book is that the husband, like the husband and father has certain responsibilities to his wife that he's not meeting. So in relationships, we are responsible to care for and help within certain limits. But when you completely disregard that, that's a boundary conflict. You know, I'm a little triggered. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Crystal knows why. But uh, yeah, that's exactly what I experienced in my last relationship. And that is not fun to deal with. You know what's funny, though? I was like, I don't know about this boundary conflict. Like, I couldn't, like, piece it together. But you're right. Uh, Yeah, no. I guess I have seen that. But that's, like, that's a whole different topic. But still, when your needs are not being met and you need them to be met, that's, that's also part of boundaries. What you need versus what the other person needs. And if you don't listen, you're invalidating their, their experience and their need for a boundary, right? Ooh, this mm-hmm. is real personal. Uh, but whatever. <laughs> We've been talking about what poor boundaries look like. So we kind of want to give you a little breakdown of how you can start exploring your own boundaries in a healthy way so that you have healthier relationships with other people and yourself as well. So there are four things that I think are important to take into consideration when exploring your boundaries, right? So one is what kind of person are you, right? Like that goes back to 
way back when we first started this podcast in regards to who you are, your identity, your personality. The second one is the concept of self-preservation. Third is having realistic expectations for yourself and for others. And fourth is actually feeling safe, right? So let's go back to one. What kind of person are you? To figure out what you like and or don't like, it is useful to start noticing how you are feeling in your external world. So what do I mean? How are you reacting when interacting with someone? It is useful to look into who that person is, right? Like, so you have to start assessing your comfort level with this person. So for example, you may allow your friend to come past certain boundaries more than your coworker for obvious reasons, right? Like the comfort level with your friend is just completely different because you've known them for longer. You love them a certain way as opposed to your coworker. You may not have an intimate relationship with them. So I do want to note that just because you are more comfortable with certain people, it still does not mean that you're creating a space where you actually have necessary boundaries. Because of the fact that you are comfortable with them, you may allow them to take more than you really can handle. So the next piece to actually assessing your comfort level is recognizing how do you feel when these particular people that you know you're comfortable with take what you give and how it feels when you receive, right? So these are things that you need to start looking at. So let's take it back to the clothing shop example. You have a store and your friend comes into your shop and takes an item without asking you. What are you noticing in your body? Are you getting tense? Are you thinking that, hey, I didn't like that and I'm not going to say anything? Are you genuinely comfortable with it? And then this is actually something that is worth exploring because that's how you really recognize where your boundaries are. What if they didn't allow you to do the same? Is it something where it needs to be reciprocated on your end or are you just cool with them doing that? What I'm talking about is expectations. Are there any expectations set in place because you allowed them to do that? So the second piece in exploring your boundaries is figuring out how can you reach a level of self-preservation that feels good to you, right? So what I'm talking about in self-preservation has to do with more than just recognizing if you are giving and you are taking and what you're feeling with that. Because I'm the kind of person that I wish I could give more than what I actually have. And I find myself actually giving more than what I actually have in regards to my time sometimes. So I really have to recognize that putting myself first and setting limits of what I can give versus what I want to give are two different things. So going back to the shop example, if your friend walks into the shop and takes a shirt for free and you actually want to give the person the shirt for free and you could do that without having any kind of expectations, but guess what? You have a shop that you're paying for that you put money, time and effort into and you are not making a profit just yet. Even though you really want to give that person that shirt, it's not going to be beneficial to you. This is where self-preservation becomes important because you have to realize how your decisions may not be effective to your overall goal of sustaining yourself. The next piece is having realistic expectations. This is something I always talk about. And the way I talk about it is actually distinguishing the fantasy in your mind versus the reality of your world. So what is actually possible for you to give someone if you sit down and assess all of your circumstances, which actually plays into self-preservation, because this is how you're going to start recognizing what your reality looks like. Because like I said, I want to give away so much of myself, but guess what? I only have 24 hours in a day and I already don't sleep enough. So that's not helpful to me. In trying to figure out your realistic expectations, the way I, I help myself and the way I help my clients and just people in general is by comparing us to smartphones. So if you think about it, on a good day, and I say on a good day because of the fact that your phone isn't always charged. Sometimes you forget to charge your phone and we're humans, right? We're not phones. It'd be great if we could be charged that way. On a good day, you start out at 100% battery level in the morning. 
And with every task you engage in, you're using up that energy. I think a lot of us don't recognize that that 100% immediately starts to decrease the minute we make, we wake up. So whatever we're putting our energy towards, it's taking away from that 100%. And I think that people have this like idea of themselves that they're going to put 100% into every task. But in reality, all you got is 100%. So this is what I mean by distinguishing the reality versus the fantasy. Going back to number two of actually preserving yourself for yourself and keeping that boundary, you have to recognize where you're putting your energy and time into in order to actually create healthy boundaries with people and tell them, hey, you can't come in further or I can't do that for you right now. And the last one is feeling safe. I personally have lived in a world where safety is my number one concern. And because I do not automatically feel safe, I perceive my world more dangerous than it is, causing me to actually put up more boundaries and push people further away than I would personally like. So it's kind of counterproductive to my goal of being social and having friends and having love around me. So feeling safe is directly connected with number one, because you have to start assessing how you feel comfortable, right? So number one is actually figuring out who you are and taking the time to do so. So how do you feel comfortable with yourself and with others? If you feel any kind of discomfort coming up, then maybe you don't fully feel safe with allowing people past a certain point with whatever it is they're asking of you or even just what you're giving them. So I think that these things are important to start exploring and good questions to start asking yourself when you're relating to other people and when you're home alone and figuring out if they're bothering you, why certain things are bothering you. Yeah, so I think that the last piece that you said is actually really important because um, when you mentioned that safety is your like number one priority or like you live in a world where you want to create safety uh, reminds me of trauma and boundary. So trauma can absolutely affect boundary development because it shakes your foundation. So the first first thing that what you just said is like it, it shakes the foundation that the world is a reasonably safe place, right? So it's difficult to assert your boundaries when you don't know how people will react, if they will respect you, or if they will cause you harm. The second way that trauma affects boundaries is that you you don't believe that you really have control over your life, right? So it shakes that sense of control that everyone should reasonably have over their own life. So if you experience something that was done to you without consent, without your knowledge, without your ability to prepare for it, uh, you don't feel like you have a sense of control over what happens to you. And when these foundations of safety and control or the ability to create safety and control for yourself, they're shaken, you start to see the world as an unsafe place. And you maybe create excessive amounts of boundaries in order to protect yourself from the fears that the outside world created in you. So if you have experienced trauma, it is really important to be able to think a little bit more critically about what are the areas that create fear in you because you might be creating excessive boundaries in those areas. And I'm speaking from experience because trusting other people with who I am, which is why Sasha was like, I'm gonna have to like, (laughs) you know, like keep, (laughs) keep knocking on this brick wall to get through. Because for me, I'm like, okay, she seems nice, but I don't know what her intentions are. So I don't want to let you in. Or even with relationships, I've had a a fear of like commitment and like, what does it mean to be vulnerable with someone and to have to give of yourself um, in a relationship? So if you've experienced trauma, just the ability to assess where the areas of safety are and then to realize that you may be overly creating boundaries. So it might be good to even with a therapist or just someone who's able to 
to see you from an objective perspective to help you kind of manage where you've set too many boundaries and need to step back or where you haven't set enough boundaries and you need to kind of like do that a little bit more. It's interesting going back to what you you talked about in regards to trauma. This is where it starts getting a little messy. You don't necessarily have to have trauma to experience this. I think that a lot of human beings have this innate fear of being vulnerable. I think it could it's for many different reasons, but I can safely say that we all feel insecure and we all are afraid of looking a certain way and how my how is this person going to perceive me? Like we all have these thoughts. Um, and I think that that's when things become a little more complex in regards to actually like creating boundaries for yourself or even like pushing past certain boundaries that may be a little too strict once you recognize that you don't want to have them anymore. I think that different people will bring out different levels of vulnerability within you. And it becomes really difficult to assess, you know, in your everyday world, because you're not just hanging out with friends all day. You're not just, you know, with your family. You're not, you know, you're with your coworkers and then you're constantly switching on and off with these people. And you're going to need different boundaries because of the fact that certain people make you more vulnerable. And I think that the reason that certain people make you more vulnerable is because love uh, gets put into gets mixed in the picture. Right. So when when you love somebody, boundaries become a little more difficult to honor, because I personally think that we've been taught to mistaken love for a reason to actually dissolve our own personal boundaries. Like, so for example, like if you've ever heard, if you love me, then you would do X, Y, Z, even though X, Y, Z is inflicting on your own internal boundaries. (laughs) So, and you know, what's funny though, this is not just a romantic partner. This is, it's true for your family. It's true for your friends and even your own self, because I've had self-talk where I'm like, but I love this person. I should do that. And I'm not listening to the response that my body's giving me. Cause I will, my body gives me a physical response. Like, Mm-mm, don't do that. And like, I know the signs already, but I still will push past because, oh, I quote unquote, love this person. And I think it love makes it so much more blurry in, in regards to actually putting the boundaries up because I believe that society teaches us to love in a transactional kind of way. So if you give me this, I'll give you that. So we almost feel like we owe people that right to impose onto our boundaries because, oh, they did this for us. Love isn't tit for tat. Yes. Love isn't tit for tat in a transactional process. Love is just accepting people for where they're at, where they can meet you and what they give you. And I think that we don't get told these things enough. And I think that this idea of love comes from the culture that we live in right now. I can't speak for other times, but I do know that a lot of the ways in which we live right now at the moment is very transactional. Another cultural piece that I want to bring up that I think is super important because it does play a role into boundaries is how you identify and how that will affect whether or not you establish boundaries or put too many boundaries. So, for example, myself, I identify as a Latina woman. And if you really think about what boundaries look like in the Latinx culture, um, the first thing that comes up for me is, ¿Qué van a decir la gente? Right? Like, what are people going to say? I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this in my from my mom, from my family. Even just when I would watch, like, telenovelas or, like, the Spanish news, I think that we are taught, especially as women in this culture, to always think about how other people might perceive us. And this already inevitably sets us up to put other people before our own selves. So what that's doing is it's allowing other people to impose onto boundaries that you may actually want. It's not even giving you the time to think about what kind of boundaries you may like for yourself. 
And I just want to put that out there so that people could start thinking about how their own sense of identity, where they feel they come from, what what they subscribe to will affect how they implement certain boundaries for themselves. Yeah. And I think with the cultural piece, when you when you are boundaried and that goes against the cultural norms, then you're labeled as a bad person, which is another way mm. to kind of begin to diminish like well one diminish your value and your worth but two also to try to control what the bound what your boundaries are because if you're like oh you're a bitch or you're angry or especially for for women then it's kind of like well you don't want to seem like a bitch you don't want to seem angry because you don't want to be perceived in a negative way so then it could cause some people to question their own boundaries I would advise you not to but I think like that's also part of the resistance to setting boundaries which we spoke to earlier about how people will perceive you so it all like plays into itself but when we think about boundaries we also want to think about how do we set those boundaries right because we've talked a lot about you know like people who don't have (laughs) who have poor boundaries we've talked about what are the things that can get in the way and how to examine where you're at Um, but some of the ways that you can set boundaries is through your words right so you can verbally say yes no tell people what you need what you will and won't accept and what your expectations or actions or behaviors will be course like we've said throughout the episode this needs to be done in favor of the self without fear of repercussion or of what others will say or do another type of boundary is distance so like placing physical distance between you and someone else and this can help you to like escape danger or to provide like physical emotional spiritual space that you need in order to be well so this is sometimes a little bit more extreme or it can be more extreme um, in response to someone who's not respecting you. For example, if you are um, experiencing intimate partner violence, you might want to physically create that space. But also something for me that came up with the distance piece is when I left Brooklyn um, and I got that physical space and separation from my family to become my own person. There's also the boundary of time. So taking time off from a project, setting a specified time in which you will start and end work. I know that's a boundary I struggle with. Uh, (laughs) Setting a time limit in which you will discuss something or spend emotional, mental, physical, spiritual energy, right? How much of your time are you willing to give to something? Then there's emotional distance, right? And that can be achieved by setting some of the boundaries that we we talked about just now, like about words and distance and time, but it can look in many other ways. And uh, when you set emotional distance, the goal is to give your heart the time it needs to be safe to process and heal. And that also goes back to what Sasha's earlier point about the self. The last is physical boundaries, and that's more like physical boundaries on your body, right? What people can and cannot do to your physical being. This can be a tough one if you weren't taught about that when you were a child or if you experienced trauma. But I think like even this reminds me a little bit of the cultural piece where it was like, oh, like you know, when you're a kid, you have to give this person a hug or give them a kiss on the cheek. Like, it's one thing to teach children respect in saying, like, you have to greet people when you see them. However, if that child does not want to be hugged or touched, like, not forcing them outside of that because you teach them that their boundaries are not valuable and then you can carry that into adulthood. So the next thing I want to say is, like, 
you know, like we talked about the types of boundaries, but how do you set them? So you have to be clear with your boundaries. Boundaries, you set them verbally, hopefully for the most part, um, with ample communication, and you follow it up by an action that reinforces that boundary. You know, we live we live in a cold world. <laughs> People will absolutely test you and push your boundaries. Like we heard, we remember the controllers those types of people will definitely not respect you, but it is up to you to set and maintain your boundary despite what someone else says or does. Uh, So you want to be assertive with your boundaries. You don't want to be passive aggressive. Uh, Like we mentioned earlier about like, oh, well, if I give to this person, then they should give back. You want to be clear about what your needs are. I, I really like those two. And I think that it's important to note that Not only do you have to be clear and be assertive, if you are not meeting that mark for yourself, be kind to yourself if you realize that you didn't you didn't create those boundaries. Like, don't try not to talk badly about yourself because it just it might make it it will most likely make the situation worse. Like, give yourself some grace. Be kind if you are still practicing these things, because I, I can definitely tell you that's something that I've spiraled into when I realized I should have said no and I should have been more active in placing a specific boundary with certain people. Right. So that actually segues right into my next point about finding support for your journey, right? So you need to also like support yourself, but also find other people to support you um, in creating the boundaries that you need for yourself, right? Like people who will help hold you accountable um, to creating your boundaries, but also um, people who will remind you not to tolerate boundary crossing. And and of course, like with these people, you want to make sure that you also respect them and their boundaries, right? Because it's a two-way, two-way street. You also want to make sure that you recognize, because I know we talked a lot about like internal boundaries. So within like exploring internal boundaries, you want to make sure that you set those limits. Even though you can't set limits on other people and their behavior, you want to make sure that you put limits on what behaviors or actions you will accept from others and then of of course you also want to set limits on yourself a good way to start practicing boundaries if you don't have a lot of functional boundaries like how we talked about earlier in the episode um you can set limits on yourself um to learn to find the balance between what you need and what you desire and what you can and will not allow for yourself you know like if you're someone who's very impulsive um, maybe trying to work on being a little less impulsive. If you're someone who tends to like stay up all night, despite the fact that you know it's going to get in the way of you waking up earlier on time from work, setting those boundaries for yourself to manage your own well-being and your own functioning in the world. And then the last thing I'll say is that to start small and practice, practice, practice. Uh, you always want to try out new boundaries with friends or loved ones that you know will respect you or try to understand you um, so that you can test it in a safe space and slowly work your way up to other people or other situations um, so that you kind of have that positive reinforcement that you need um, as you uh, continue to expand it to situations or to people who maybe you don't necessarily feel as safe with. Yeah, I think something that I do want to know is that when you start putting yourself first, right, because I think that that's what boundaries essentially is. It's about putting you first and your needs, your desires and how that looks in re- in relation to other people. You're going to be met with opposition, not because people don't necessarily care for you, but because there's a change. Right. And for the most part, I always talk about this. People don't necessarily like change. And if you're changing for the better for yourself, People will have a reaction to you actually implementing boundaries. And 
I just want to be the reminder to you and for yourself to actually continue on that path because you deserve it. And if it's something that you feel you absolutely need, then that's something that you need to do for you, not for anybody else. Yeah. And I think that another thing to add to that is that we always have this misconception that you should bond with the person and then to build that relationship and then set the boundary second. But that's not the case. Uh, mm. Right. So you, in, in, when you're starting new relationships, um, especially you want to set the boundaries from the beginning to establish what kind of relationship you would like or you can have with that person. Because I think trying to bond first and then setting boundaries later is part of our fear response, um, especially if you don't have like that secure attachment or you're looking to connect with people um, and you you go about it in an unhealthy way. And then the last thing I want to say is that really like we've talked a lot about boundaries, but boundaries are not permanent. They're malleable, right? Like we want to make sure they're a gate and not that brick wall. And they're subject to change at any given time, right? That goes for our own boundaries um, that we set for ourselves and the boundaries that we set with others. Especially as you start off with practicing boundaries, sometimes you set too harsh of a boundary um, and then sometimes you set too loose of a boundary, right? So it's okay to change your mind and reset as you practice, right? Like you're like, oh, too harsh of a boundary. Let me take it back or too loose of a boundary I need to set to set this boundary so just remember that boundaries are subject to change and that is okay I completely agree with you because I think that we expect ourselves to live within this structure and then have it never change but we are continuously evolving and that means that our personalities and things that we do are going to evolve and change so that was our episode I definitely want to hear about how badly we came for your neck because I know this episode triggered some of y'all because it triggered me even reading about it in the book. So definitely want to hear more about your experiences with boundaries. How do you set them? Are you too loose, too harsh? Um, is this a journey that you're just starting? Please definitely let us know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at nevertoldispod or you can email us at nevertoldispod at gmail.com. And make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.